1: This is episode number 93 with our guest, Anne Kate Sullivan. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining in. You're tuned right into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. Our guest today is an award-winning and best-selling author focusing on mythology and folklore for the modern age. Her series, Legends of the Grail, includes two highly acclaimed books, Heroines of Avalon and Other Tales, and Legends of the Grail, Stories of Celtic Goddesses. Meet Dr. Ein Cates Sullivan who obtained her B.A. with honors at Holland's University, her master's and doctorate in literature from Columbia University, and King's College London. After obtaining her master's in spiritual psychology in 2006, she began working with individuals in small groups. Today, she loves to assist creative women and men who are beginning to awaken to their true nature. Help me welcome... Dr. Ayn Cates Sullivan. How are you?
0: Okay, thanks for I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. And you name? I like hey, it.
1: So let's talk about your name. It's, it's Anne. It's Ayn. It's Ayn. It's A-Y-N. You were beginning to tell me. It's, it's Anne for, uh, for the modern human, I, I imagine, right, most commonly. A-Y-N. Well, like,
0: yeah. Yes, When I was growing up, it was Anne, and then if I was in trouble, it was Anne Wesley. um, But I was named after, I understand, after the writer Ayn Rand. So, but when I went into the Celtic world, I realized it could also means the light. Mm. So it's kind of shifted that direction. But yeah, I like the fact that it's musical and it can come out in a variety of ways.
1: And and come out it does in a variety of ways. I'm sure you. I mean, A Y N. It's simple, but I imagine even that makes the strongest of men pause and uh, you know just right, just just shudder in their tracks, having to pronounce it when it's just three letters.
0: Uh, uh, I, my mail comes out as Any Kate's Sullivan, so it all works. Yeah. And
1: and well, welcome to the show. So good to have you. I love all of. I, I love this whole topic of spiritual awakening and um, getting in tune, aware of your true self. I'm certainly at a point in my life where I, the light is on, and I'm like, oh, self awareness. That's where it begins and ends. Right? Is, is is that the basis for what we're talking about? Becoming self aware, and everything else follows.
0: Well drive is on, if your light is on inside, if the aim is on, then yes, absolutely. It seems to. It seems like people are switching on all over the planet now. And
1: what does it mean to be um, awakened to your true nature?
0: Well, you know, as you into your true nature, I think what happens is the limited small of the fearful self, as you would say, starts to you just start to bump up against that and you go oh wait a second i'm uh this is not this is not who i truly am you know there's a little seed it's starting to like pop out of its own shell and so you know in my case i went on a grail quest a heroine's quest to find out well you know if 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 i'm not really my ego my persona who might i be you know who might be there so um that was really the beginning of this, this series now. And uh, our true nature is I, I call our precious pearl. It's the, it's the true self. It's the one where the higher self is integrated. And so we might be 60% in our inner world. We might have a very rich inner world. We might really live deeply in there. And then from that place, have a lot to share with the world. Our creativity comes forth.
1: Yeah, I I totally get it. I spent um, most of my life uh, until recently, really, um, in that state of fear, denying all of my power, my ability. But the little thing is that, I knew slightly below the surface what I was capable of. So I would just choose to show up differently and hide all that away, thus the hidden entrepreneur. And then that, as you can imagine, created all sorts of anger, frustration, depression, because I was I was having this conflict, this struggle internally. But I knew what I was capable of. I just wasn't showing up uh, how
0: how I really should have well exactly exactly traditional tale of the of the swan and on the day that you realize that you're more than who you are what you do is you climb aboard the white swan right as the sun is setting and you fly between the worlds and 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 as you do that the white swan becomes a blast and you Fly through the cosmos and you collect all the pieces of yourself that have been lost through trauma and upset and worry. And you collect all of these wonderful stars and precious gemstones and diamonds your power basically. You collect your power, your true power, your true nature. And then as, as dawn comes, you ride back on the swan and she becomes white again. And you land in the watery, trail, your true nature. And life tends to be a little different from that point on.
1: Did I hear you say that you went on a Grail quest? What is that?
0: So, in the Celtic tradition, I was living. I was getting my PhD in the Celtic Isles in the in in England and Ireland. So, I was offered an overseas research award, and which meant getting a full ride to King's College London and. I just said yes. I didn't even know the subject matter at the time. I just said, I'll be there. And um, my, what I had to do was study the work of Lady Gregory, who was a, um, Irish, an Irish and Anglo-Irish playwright. And she was the patron of somebody named W.B. Yeats. He was a very famous poet. Sure. So I wound up, you know, in Ireland, thinking, oh, well, it's going to be very busy here in no, it was actually um there were like little roads with cows on them and sheep and i had to like get them out of the way to get to the places i had to go and collect this folklore and what i discovered was tremendous i mean first of all just to backtrack with lady gregory she was really responsible or one of the people responsible for getting irish back into schools in ireland and, you know, it, up until I think it was like the Easter Rebellion 100 years ago, if you spoke Gaelic or told these stories, you'd be killed. You could be killed for this. Wow. And so Lady Gregory said, no, 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 wait. You know, the Celtic stories are, are the stories of our people. You know, we have Roman and Greek stories. Great. You know, it's great to know these things. But these are the, these are the stories of our indigenous people. These are the stories of our land. So she was really interested in bringing them back. And what was fun for me was discovering all these Celtic goddesses and heroines who fought with their men and, you know, created magical things and were druidesses and mystics. And, and it's very rich and lovely history. And, you know, millions of people in the United States have Celtic bloodlines. So, and we all have some sort of indigenous bloodline. So, so a good bard, you could say a good bard knows, should know, about 250 stories that you can tell so that you can ride through the times that are difficult and so that you can truly awaken to your nature.
1: Let's talk about that. You, One of the things you teach is the practice of self-inquiry. Where do we begin with this?
0: Well, um, the practice of self-inquiry I actually do with my, my husband. I've been involved in a school called the Ridwan School, the, uh, the Diamond Approach, for 15 years or so, um, and the reason the reason we practice inquiry is that if you, let me backtrack for a minute, um, let's think about a mindfulness practice. So many people know it's important to meditate, and when you do a heroine, when you do a heroine's quest. So I would be touring through. I still go every, twice a year, every year. But say I would go through Wales or through Scotland or through Ireland, or someplace, and I'm gathering stories. And and the way that I would do that is that you have to listen to the landscape. So it's very important when you're walking on the land to hear the stories that live in the land. So that requires a meditative, uh, a, re- a reflective, uh, poetic state of consciousness. So so meditation. What meditation does is it just quiets the mind, quiets the superego, quiets the inner critic, all that we're supposed to be and why we're not good enough and all that stuff. It's quiets it's all down. And then you can start to dream with the land, which is very exciting. You enter this mythopoetic consciousness and and it's it's potent. So the inquiry practice what that does you know if you're sitting on a meditation cushion in a state of samadhi you're blissed out this is wonderful as soon as you get up someone could say something to you and you might lose the whole thing you know suddenly you're in an argument with somebody right <laughs> so, so what the inquiry does is you you stand up and you're still in your your mindfulness practice you stand up and you start to engage from a place of awareness and mindfulness so so you haven't lost your connection to your higher self. You haven't lost connection to your way of conscious dreaming. And so it's, it's a wonderful way. Just think, you know, you, you talk to someone, you know, I'm talking to my husband, say, and I go, gosh, look, there's this wonderful cosmic being in front of me, this incredible man, and he's got so much depth, and I'll, I'll never know. I'll never know all of him. Isn't this exciting?
1: Wow. <laughs> I love all that. I want to go back and um cuz I know that your childhood had had a lot of deliberate elements of this that got you here. Paint that picture for us please. What was life like growing up for you as a young child?
0: Well, I I grew up with a a father who was a writer and a mother who was a painter. So that was useful. So creative creative wild hippie parents.
1: Wow, awesome.
0: (laughs) So that was fun, and um, I actually grew up very close to where I am right now in Virginia, and um, my father didn't like the status quo here. He didn't like what was going on. He thought things were slow. I think he probably belonged in California, but he decided to um, start the school that we went to, to start a newspaper, to start the health food store, to, wow. and we actually wound up <laughs> living on this mountain, which was kind of funny because we had to get a tractor and like make our way up to the top, and wow. and it was it was very exciting. I would say that the challenge in that was is, is that from the time I was very young, I was I was always clairvoyant, clairaudient, clairsentient, so I saw things, and it, and they never told me to shut that down, and I'll give my parents a lot of credit for that, because I think in our culture, most people would say, fairies don't stop that stuff, you know, you can't see colors around people, no, you can't tune in, no, they're saying it's ghosts, right, so they would, they, a lot of people would have shut that down, and talking about inquiry, you know, my mother might have been painting some fantastic landscape, and when she looks at the lake, she doesn't just see blue, she sees all sorts of colors in the lake, right? And so we would enter into an inquiry about what might be not only our five senses, but what might be there also. So I, I had this great uh, open, open childhood.
1: What, what exactly are those three things you you described clairvoyant etc break those down tell us what each like what they mean and an example of each of how you applied that okay as, as a child so
0: so a, a clairvoyant and and as a child i didn't know what right. it was right, right. right. Um, so a clairvoyant is someone who who's called a seer so they have clear seeing So let's say a clairvoyant might look at you and they go, wow, you have a really beautiful blue aura. You must be very healthy. (laughs) So, right. Or they might go, oh gosh, did somebody who's really close to you die recently? Because I see, I can see your mother standing behind you. So that's, that's, um, that's clear seeing. So in the Celtic tradition, that would be an ovate. That would be someone who would train to be able to look into the wells and the springs and see how you're, how your life purpose and mission is supposed to unfold. And they would help you understand that and they would guide you in that. So, that, so in the Celtic tradition, there's a whole lineage of people that do that. Okay. And so um, clear audience is someone who has clear hearing. So you would, you would say, that's one of the things we do on the, on the heroine quest. So in the heroine's quest, you develop these qualities. So again, it's, you have to be mindful and quiet. And if you're, and if you have clear hearing, and which is a little different than schizophrenia, schizophrenia, right? Um, in clear hearing, you might hear a message from one of your guides that says, um, You know, today it would be really good if you would go to this particular well because there's something there for you. You And you got those messages
1: as a child?
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah, I always always did. It was sort of actually. (laughs) It was often annoying um, because it would it would be like at a restaurant and and I would hear go tell so-and-so over there that their mother's fine now um she's on the other side but she's very happy that wow. sort of thing
1: wow. um
0: okay <laughs> and clairsentient is um it is feeling like you go um you go into like I love for instance to go into Karen so Karen is kind of like Stonehenge but and um, in the Celtic tradition, there's something where you you crawl into these, these um, sort of ancient healing temples. And you would crawl in at certain times of the year. For instance, Samhain, which is out of Halloween. You know, you crawl in and you put your back up against one of the stones and you look at the way and you feel the way in which the earth is dreaming. So a, a clairsentience, clear so you're feeling, you're feeling what's there, you're feeling presence. So in an inquiry practice, um, you develop all of these things. And if you're on a heroine's, heroine's quest, you definitely work on developing all of these skills and capacities, which I believe are quite important for our time now.
1: Do you feel that without a doubt, everybody or anybody can tune in and develop these clairvoyant clairaudient clairsentient experiences can we all learn do we all have the capability
0: Capability. it's whether or not we have the interest you know you find some people some people I'd just say their enlightenment drive is on. They're, they're, suddenly they're curious. They want to discover who they are. They want to go on a quest. They, and sometimes it's a trauma or an upset or, a, you know, some kind of, it can be an ontological shock too, where it's like something happens and, oh my gosh, you know, they had, they, you know, they thought that was only, only happened in the dream world, but they actually met Merlin, you know, or something happens where, um, or they have an encounter with a spirit or whatever. There, there are different things that happen where all of a sudden the enlightenment drive comes on and people go, have I gone crazy? If I, have i gone crazy, am I hearing things? And you know, there, um, and and actually, I think right now many many people are waking up on the planet, and it's and it's happening because I think because the planet's in crisis, we're all in crisis, and so if we can respond, if we can respond to these these awakenings, then um, you know then we can create a new a you know a new being so and and the children that come in a lot of children come, that are coming in now are very awake most people have they're stronger in one area In the you know if, if um if you go on the heroine's quest and somebody's at a well, someone might say, "Oh, I feel a presence and and some people might might um smell they also might smell roses for instance that's one way you know there, w- there won't be a rose bush, but they'll smell roses they'll you know and that's a way that they're experiencing their guidance, or they might, um, you know, some people are seers, so they'll, you know, they'll, they'll have a, an experience, of a, they'll have a vision, they'll have a mystical vision, and other people might hear like an angel or something, so, so yeah, everybody has this cap- cap- capability, I don't think it's odd, I think it just hasn't been as integrated into American culture as it has been in, in say, the, uh, Celtic in the Celtic worlds. I mean, in 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 Britain, it's not so unusual. In California, it's not so (laughs) unusual.
1: So, the first step, (laughs) it seems like, of of course, there are people who have a closed mind. They're not even in the realm of possibility that this is legit, that this is possible, that this is happening. So, they're not going to even venture down that path. So, the first step is to have an open mind, right? And realize that, of course, it's possible. That's what's happening here on earth in our physical world. And then you learn how to to sort of tune in to these feelings, these sounds, these voices, these visuals?
0: Yeah, and there, there are ways to start doing it. Like, um, I actually love, have loved some courses where, where it, it's usually men, I'm sorry, but they, <laughs> men will come and they go, oh, this is baloney, you know, this, there's nothing to this. And we'll go and, and we'll, we'll I'll show them how you open up to a tree and have a communication with the tree. And then I'll come back later and they'll have their arms wrapped around a, cre- a tree and they'll be like, it's alive. You know, <laughs> and I always love that when there's this breakthrough, you know, when it, it, sometimes I think there has to be an invitation, an invitation to this. Mm. An invitation. To, mm. Yes, you know, everything around you is living. We're not yeah. alone. We might feel alone sometimes. But, you oh, know, wow. we're only alone when we're really, really identified with our ego. If you're really identified with your ego, you're going to shut all of this down. And you're going to oh. stay limited. And you're going to be unhappy. And you're going to get depressed. And you're going to have experiences of despair. And why? Mm-hmm. You know?
1: And you feel, (laughs) I've been there for uh, 40 plus years and I felt isolated and lonely and nobody gets me and I can't relate to anybody and I'm not connecting with anybody. It started within.
0: Yes. 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 Well, you know, and we're taught we're taught to be a unique individuals. We're taught to really be identi- uh, ego identified. So we can't really beat ourselves up for having done that because yeah. we were raised. I mean, I'm an academic. I was raised that way. You know, so I've got f- you know, four degrees, and um, you and know, you're also an
1: artist, pretty- right?
0: <laughs> yes. Well, I'm a writer. the The illustrations in, in the book in the books are are she's a illustrator well when I say um, artist
1: certainly I mean it in the broad sense you're every bit an artist in the form of of a writer among other things Uh, but it's interesting that you've merged those um, I mean an academic my goodness uh, how many degrees and how many um, schools and all of that and your parents supported that that's what you wanted and that's what they wanted for you
0: Yes. Yes. I mean, they, my father was a writer. Like I said, he, he passed last year, but he was, he was a great free thinker and a philosopher and he he was also a winemaker. Um, And my mom.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He was an entrepreneur too. It sounds like. He
0: every bit the entrepreneur, he started, he started so many different things, a camera store, a newspaper, a health food store. And he, he definitely believed in, in a, you know, in the new ways of thinking and being, you know, if it was the 60s, you got to think it was the everybody was excited at that. And um, I think we're back, we're back here again. We've, we've come back around another, it's time for a new video for, I don't
1: You froze for a minute there. We'll get you back. you're back. Good.
0: Where, where were we?
1: (laughs) Um, We were talking about your journey uh, with schooling and um, writing and the support of your, of your parents
0: yes yes, so i I really always loved learning and i I think they really supported that i I taught myself to read when I was four, and um my dad started the school my parents started the school I went to community school, which is still going in roanoke Virginia, wow. and I basically skipped high school and went straight to college and graduated from college when I was nineteen and um and then I wound up with a, a group of people in New York uh, at Columbia. Uh, most, of, most of the students were from Harvard. And all of a sudden, I was with these these people who were wonderful thinkers and very open-minded. And it was very different than, the, um, than growing up in the South, where people weren't necessarily... At that point in time, I think they're op- more open now, but at that point in time, people people thought these things were a little odd.
1: So you, so, so you were on this path to pursue writing, to become an author. That was the goal, the mission?
0: Well, when I was eight, I think I came upstairs and I said to my parents, you know, I'm here on earth to be a mystic poet. And they said that m- it might be difficult to make money with that. <laughs> and I said, well, it's my life purpose and mission, so I'll have to figure it out. <laughs> really? At eight years old, you had that knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, so so, it has always um, fed me and, and led me in all kinds of curious situations. And I, I did find as long as I stayed with writing, the red carpet would roll out. You know, at Columbia, I got a partial fellowship. I was the first person in my family to go to Ivy League school. So, you know, and up north, and it was different. And... um. I do have family in England, so that wasn't quite as surprising. But um, the, yeah, it it would always roll out. It still does. It still does. Yeah, it's wonderful. I think if we're really, you know, if you're really following your true nature, your life purpose and mission, it will. If you can stay out of your own way, I think the, the biggest thing is to stay out of our own way. And, um, so that we can use all of our skills and capacities that we've found flying on our black swan, you know,
1: (laughs) I got to tell you, I love that analogy that you always knew the red carpet would roll out. Uh, that's such a great visual, great analogy. In fact, when I started this brand, the hidden entrepreneur last year, I only knew that I was going to come to the table with a podcast you know, I had some thoughts and ideas of what I wanted to do, but I didn't have anything much more than that. And I had faith. I had confidence. I had uh, trust that not using those words, but I knew the red carpet will roll out. I'm just going to each day, each week, I'm going to put out a new show and make that happen. And the red carpet will roll out in some form or another. And my goodness, it continues to roll out. I love that analogy.
0: Well, then it just shows you're, you're on it. You're doing exactly what you're here to do. And, yep. and hallelujah. <laughs> you know, that's Finally. Fantastic.
1: <laughs> that's the brand. That's what I'm here. That's, that, that's the message I'm delivering. Exactly that. Because uh, I spent 40 plus years in hiding, su- suppressing all of my power, my ability in return for, you know, uh, praising that fear and standing behind it as the excuse why I can't do everything and then going behind closed doors and being aggravated, frustrated, angry, because I knew what I was capable of, but I was scared out of
0: my mind to do it. Right, well, you know, even an authorian legend, you know, if if someone's here like you, you know, you're here to be a hero in a way, you're here to deliver a large message. Sure. you know, when, when King Arthur knew it was his time, he had to ride into the underworld. He had to go in, in, kind of into a place of hiding, if you think about it. He had to ride into the underworld to find all the tools that he needed. He had to find an Excalibur, his sword, you know, he had to find his grail, he had to find his spear, he had to find his connection with the goddess, he had to find everything that he needed in his life to come back out and lead and rule. And you, and if, you know, honestly, if you, if you try to, to go ahead of yourself, if you try to be who you know you are in the future, before you've actually found your tools, you will fall on your face.
1: So,
0: (laughs) you know, so you do have to have this time, I believe, when you go in. I mean, I really feel that if we're 60% in, in that inner world, 60% in, and we're working with all of our tools and capacities, and we, and then we're 40% out, we actually give so much more than if we're sort of running on empty trying to be something that's really just a husk, you know? Mm.
1: So you, you're a wildly successful published author. How many books to date have you written?
0: Oh, I think 15. And and
1: I know, well, (laughs) one would have been cool. Uh, so, <laughs> right. Wow, you wrote a book. That's amazing. So now um, uh, 15 books later, and I know that so many of them, especially uh, one of the more recent one, you've won nice awards. You're getting recognition?
0: Yes. I, I, the book that really hit it big was um, in 2015. It was called A Story of Becoming. And it's the story of an apple tree from the perspective of the tree. And it got, I wrote it as a children's story, but it was picked up as a spiritual book. Oh,
1: wow.
0: It had, I think, 250,000 downloads. It won 18 literary awards. And it was an Amazon bestseller for years. And so that one, that one really got How does (laughs) that happen? How does that happen? Yeah. Well, this, you know, speaking of being an entrepreneur, you're probably like this because I was at the time doing mostly poetry and academic things, which nobody ever reads. And, and I was okay with that. It was okay. I figured I was honing my skills and, you know, getting my voice and all these things.
1: Fair. <laughs> Wait a minute. Such a valid point, by the way, because you almost needed that, that part of the journey to, to have it as the stepping stone, Right
0: you need a foundation, you do need a foundation, and you want, you, you hope by the time you start speaking that you, you know your subject, and in England, to get a PhD in Anglo-Irish literature, you have to prove you're an expert in a field, and it takes a while, and I did, you know, I didn't pass the first time, it, they, they really examine you, so, but what's great about that is by the time you come through it, and you've stood there with your robes on, you go, I earned this, wow. you know. I am hey, you an wrote these
1: poetry day. books that uh <laughs> yes. that uh admittedly nobody was reading, but they what was the value looking back for it? What did they do for you? What was the benefit? Well, you know,
0: I think when you when you spend time writing poetry as a writer, when you write a poem, every single word matters, and you spend weeks and weeks with one, you know, one little set of words, you know, maybe a hundred words, maybe less than 900 words, you know, you have this, you know, and you're just working with it and you realize the music in each word. And you realize when you put one word next to another word, there's a different kind of music. So you're learning, you're studying, you're
1: practicing, you're crafting, you're improving, you're growing, you're struggling, you're finding all of
0: that through this. Yes. Exactly. And it takes that. It takes, you have to have your time in the underworld. Like I said, you have to go down and you have to know who your allies are. You have to know how these things work.
1: And that's applicable to anybody tuning in now, because whatever your version of that is, got to put in the work. You have to stay behind the scenes, however you define it. So what happened? So you did those poetry books and then you started getting, so I originally asked, how did you get all that recognition for that book?
0: Uh, well, just a little backstory, which people might appreciate. I, um, when, I, when I was in England, I had publishers I had, in Wales and in Scotland. But when I moved back to the U.S., people w- weren't really that interested in Celtic stuff. And they weren't, definitely weren't interested in spiritual things. And so I had this, these lovely books, mo- mostly at that time I did children's books, and my, my children said, why don't you just start your own publishing company and do them yourself? Because my friends need these books. Why don't you just do it? And I thought, well, why not? So I started Infinite Light Publishing, and I joined IBPA, which is the Independent Book Publisher Association, and they're really wonderfully helpful. And <clears throat> I just started doing all of it myself. So... So actually now it's kind of fun. So not only, not only do I, do I write the words and really think about the words and edit the words and the story and make sure the story has meaning and value. Uh, I work with with the illustrator. I work with the editors. I work with the designers. We create the whole book. I work with the printers. I work with the distributors. I work with the, you know, the PR. So we, I do the whole thing. And, and I think, the success of them is, you know, that the mission is clear, you know, and I, f- I feel my, you know, the true nature unfolding is like, yeah, this is how it's supposed to go. And so, um, so independent publishing has been pretty wonderful. So last week, actually, Heroines of Avalon won the gold for Visionary and New Age Fiction with the Independent Book Publishers Association, which I, which I feel is a great, you know, it's a, it's a, it was it's it's heartfelt. Let me put it that way. I, I really appreciate it.
1: What does that mean to you to have won that award?
0: It means that it, it means that I've been clear in my mission, that that the that people uh, like and respond to the stories and and um, with the sales that are going, uh, I think two hundred libraries picked up the book. Uh, Include most mostly university libraries and. Um, and uh, the Green Book, Legends of the Grail, has sold out of four printings so far. Uh, we're in the second printing with Heroines of Avalon. So that means that people like what they're reading. They're responding to it in some way. They they're touched by it. And so I feel like they're a contribution to humanity, which is my my aim. You know.
1: You, you appear, um, very, very confident, very, um, structured in your way, not knowing your mission and your path. Like you've said, was that always the case? Or can you share a time with us where you were just vulnerable? You didn't know what was going to happen. There was a a big state of fear or unknown presented to you and you had to figure your way out of that.
0: Sure. There've been, there've been plenty of times and I would say that, um, that that's what put me on this, on the path with the Celtic stories. So when I was, um, in England, I, you know, I was, I was, I had this great degree and, um, I mean, I was working on my doctorate and I was horribly depressed, just empty, empty inside. And I, I couldn't figure out why, because I did, there wasn't really a reason I didn't have any reason to be depressed. and um and someone said to me and it was very interesting they said well you know if you're depressed it's your soul speaking to you i was raised as an atheist (laughs) so i was like my soul my soul is okay well um let me explore what this might mean and i went to this well in in somerset it's called the chalice well in glastonbury and i sat there for a long time by the well and started saying, you know, I really want to know the feminine face of the divine. Can you show it to me? So I'm talking to this well. And then in the old Celtic tradition, that's what they did. And I was studying Celtic mythology. So I thought, I'll give it a shot. And I started to smell roses. I started to have this, the sense of this black mother who was present um, I didn't know who she was. I didn't know if it was Mary Magdalene or Lady of the Lake or who it was exactly. But I had a framework for it. I knew I wasn't crazy. This was a tradition. You know, they, these things happen. And um, and I started to realize that, yes, indeed, my soul was calling to me. That I had lost. You know, I hadn't ridden the back of the sw- on the back of the swan yet. You know, I hadn't flown through the universe gathering my pieces. And, um, and so from that point, I was led on this heroine's quest, which is almost a forgotten tradition. You know, this, this is, we, we know the authorian legends, we know the hero's journey, the heroine's journey is almost forgotten. So, So I went, oh, these skills that as an academic, I think I should forget the clairvoyance, the clairsentience, the clairaudience, the, the seership, which is not welcomed in the university setting generally. I thought, okay, I'm being asked to open up precisely when I'm told not to.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's time.
1: You mentioned again the, um, the white <laughs> swan path. Put that into perspective and uh, practical perspective perhaps for us. Um, how does somebody begin to take that journey for themselves?
0: Well, in, in the, if, if you can, if you have the means, um, if you can actually find out what your lineage is if you know what your ancestry like for instance I knew my ancestry because we have a a family farm in Virginia and have had it since 1668 so since before America was founded so and I and the um, relatives are buried in the in the backyard there so so I knew that we were from Northumbria that we were knights of Northumbria so I I had a, a a sense and it at that point, this was 35 years ago. You had to actually go to the place and find Bibles and so forth to to be able to track your lineage. Now you can just do an ancestry.com. <laughs> but if you if you can find your lineage, and I think something like nine million people in the United States have Irish ancestry, and you know, I have no idea. You know, they're probably 30 million Celts, you know, so uh, or people with Celtic um, ancestry. And when you can start to track that and you ask, you actually do your your, med- your mindfulness practice and you ask for your quest. So some of the quests, uh, people go every year to Glastonbury, um, which has been a pilgrimage site. Some people say for 25,000 years. Um, so uh, people who are interested in goddess traditions, for in- instance, is called the goddess stronghold, but it's also the home of the Celtic church and hmm. for a long time was considered like, Um, britain's jerusalem and then there are places in ireland such as kildare where the flame of bridget has been relit or if you're more like my husband who's one of the ancient munster kings he was a football player he played with the jets and the bears (laughs) so we found his sullivan trail of tears and went took took him back to um to cashel and and then the knight, the um, warriors who actually kicked the um, Vikings out of Ireland. So he's in the, the lineage of Brian Boru. When you, can, when you can find your ancestry, then you know what kind of pilgrimage to walk on. I take people sometimes if they're, if we're aligned in this, you know, last year we, we went through Wales and, and it was like walking through Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it was great.
1: <laughs> did, I hear so, you, did I hear you say your husband was an NFL player?
0: He was. He played with the the Jets and the Bears, and he now does. He now teaches Buddhist meditation.
1: <laughs> what era did he play in? What year? The eighties?
0: In the eighties, yeah, yeah. Oh. And he still. I think he still holds the record for the most uh, tackles in college football. Imagine. So um, what a he, cool he, little piece <laughs> of trivia. Yeah, he's a Hall of Fame guy. Oh. So, so we have so much fun uh, you, you know, he's 99% Irish, so, you know, so we have so much fun going and finding ancient Olum stones and, and finding the old warriors and, uh, going to some of these cairns. He, he loves it as much as I do. And, you know, in the Celtic tradition, um, the men and women are, were always considered equal. I mean, until the uh, Roman Catholic church came in, they, they were always considered equals in the Celtic church. They were too. And, um, and so he's always liked the fact that, you know, a man in that tradition, a man is only a hero or, or uh, definitely God, but a hero or, or a king if the, if the woman deem, deems it so. So his, his woman has to say, yes, you may stand, you may, you may stand and lead now and wow. vice versa. You know, so you so you wind up in these empowering each other to wow. discover more and more about who you are. So, hmm. so a lot of the conflict comes out of the relationship, and the inquiry and the discovery becomes deeper. And so, um, so questing together is really fun and really, uh, I think deep, deepens the relationship and brings a lot of love in. Is this
1: a is this? A physical journey or not always?
0: Well, you can do it. You can either way. Yeah. So, we, we, um, so our daily practice is, is um, formless. Yeah. Right? So it's in the in world. I called it the in the world where you're traveling inside and, and there are all kinds of journeys. In my books, <clears throat> in my two books, recent ones, uh, Heroines, Babylon and, and Legends of the Grail, they're all, there are, I think, 14 journeys in there that you can take uh, right where you are in your own living room. And so you can you can and it's actually even if you do decide to do a physical quest, it's good to do those first, so that when you do go to the well yeah. or the particular part of the landscape or you know Stonehenge or Avebury or whatever you're drawn to, yeah. um, you know how to start working with the mythic imagination because you it's a skill set like any mm-hmm. other skill set you have to learn how how to how to open up the other senses so that when you look at an oak tree a doorway opens to another yeah. realm, you know, it can happen. So
1: if you were, uh, yeah. if you were looking back on a younger version of yourself, what conversation would you have with that person?
0: With my younger self? I, th- I think, um, my, my younger self was really joyous and curious and, um, and it's still very much with me I and mean, my wondrous child's very much with me. As it should um, be. Yeah. Yes, we need we need that curious. I call it the yellow curiosity, the glaciosa. Yeah. We need that. I used that. to be. I,
1: I, I used <laughs> to be told early on in childhood that I asked too many questions, and of course that was with an air of negativity and uh, you know control and stop doing that. So um, yeah, I, I, I was always a, an inquisitive, curious person asking questions, and now as an adult, I've 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 realized. Wait a second, that's a that's a positive trait
0: exactly exactly and if you can imagine I I was the same as a kid I I asked I always sat in the front seat of every classroom asking questions some teachers loved it and some teachers hated it but um, so my my, I think luckily my wonder center child knows that to be curious is a good thing Um, so it's probably more my 20 year old self that struggled with it you know when this because I was a hybrid at that point you know it was like oh, should I be asking these questions? Should I be opening the doors to the oak trees, or is this really going to get me in trouble? Am I going to ruin my reputation by doing this? You know, but you have to, you have to, even if what is going on with you seems odd, or you have to trust it, because, because, gosh, that oak tree, you know, then you discover, oh, you know, the Druids were actually the people of the Oaks. That's where the word Druid comes from. It means people of the Oaks. Ah, and that takes you to Olumstons, and that takes you to places in enchanted realms that are full of stories. And if you're an author and a storyteller, that's a good thing.
1: <laughs> do you believe that everything happens for a reason?
0: Um, I, I, I do. I do, actually. I do believe in the Celts. So in the Welsh tradition, there's something called the Glefiosa, um, which you know, if you were Greek, you might you might think of it as a, the Gnostic way of being. But in the in the Welsh tradition, the glafiosa means those of the shining brow, and it means that that there's this this wisdom that's always around us. And if we're trapped in our ego, we might not be aware of it. We might think it all comes from us, you know, but it actually, really. Very little of it comes from us <laughs> and if you can tap into this greater intelligence then the world really becomes this enchanted place and um, everything has has a reason even things that seem terrible um, if you can really sit with it from a non-dual perspective from a from a higher perspective you can begin to see oh oh I see I see I See why this has occurred. Why this challenge? You know, we all need challengers. I mean, we, we, we're not going to grow into we, who we are if we don't meet the challenger. In the Celtic tradition, usually they, they say you meet the hag. You know, the, the <laughs> and, and she'll throw she throws a spanner in the wrench. She thro- she gives you something that you're not quite sure you can handle, and and she does it so that you learn something. And, um, and, and of course, if you're meeting a dragon or you're meeting, you know, a difficult situation, what you want to do is turn around and look at it, you
1: know,
0: why, why, why am I in this situation? Why is this taking place? That's not to say if someone's holding a knife up to you, you, you know, but that's, it's more of an energetic thing of why, why has this challenge why am I being faced with this challenge right now? Hmm. And, um, and you say, you know, the, the, oh, you get angry. Well, you know, anger's really just a way of, if you really work with anger correctly, it's strength. You know, it's a sort of distortion of strength. Oh, I need more strength. I say, I need more, I need more of my red essence. Oh, I'm in fear. Fear I usually see as yellow and yellow is, is actually curiosity and joy. And if it, when fear opens up, it's, it's intelligence, it's, you know, Worked with correctly, it's intelligence. Because if you're walking down the wrong road, you're going to feel fear. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's guidance, and so forth. So, so our feelings are very important, and we just need to know how to to read them correctly.
1: Are you and spiritual so, or religious
0: in any ways? Uh, I'm very spiritual. Um, I, I'm actually a minister, <laughs> but but I would say definitely very interfaith. So. Um, I do perform weddings and funerals and so forth. I actually, oddly enough, I um, really enjoy, sometimes enjoy sitting with people as they're dying because um, their other world, especially people who are open, you know, mm-hmm. because you can walk with them to other worlds. And, yeah. they, and, um, and that can be very beautiful, even ecstatic, uh, if they can die consciously. So I, I enjoy doing that. Um we tend to again you the fear, oh we don't know what's going to happen and um and i've really uh i've enjoyed those moments because then when i come I come back and I go, oh my goodness, there really is another world this this is just a short party, you know it really goes on forever.
1: Tell me what happens, what do you believe happens when it's all over
0: uh, when the when we drop this body uh well in uh, so recently, my father died, and we, we were very close, and um, as he, this was a year ago, and um, he he knows I'm very spiritual, I'm very connected in, in a lot of ways, and so he, he reached out to me, and he said, um, come lay with, with me here in the bed and walk with me to the other side. Really? And... You know, you can only do that if someone invites you. If if someone's frightened or they're on, you know, morphine or what, you can't do it. But but it, I had that was an invitation. And and so I did. I laid there with him, and I said, "Okay, let's walk together, and see wh- where you're going to go. Who's waiting for you?" Wow. And he he um he knew he was in liver failure, so he only had a certain amount of time. But we we opened up. We opened up the worlds together and we journeyed enough together that it wasn't something new. I mean, he was also a writer and a poet and he had a, he had a, he was able to dream consciously. You have to be able to, to dream consciously and trust it. You have to know who your guides are in order to do that. And so we walked with his guides. And what happened was beautiful because a friend of his who had crossed um, five years before him Was there waiting for him and it was funny because my father was sort of agnostic and my and his friend that came to meet him was a a minister a christian minister (laughs) and and they had a dialogue they had a dialogue by a river and he said you know when when it's his your time he would come and so dad came back and after after that he had very little fear of death he um he a lot of people came to see him he recited poetry um, mm-hmm. and he was at home, um, and, and so as he started his active dying process, we, we sang to him, and we were all very open to the relatives that were coming into the room and, 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 and inviting them in, and, um, and so I was able to track him for the next few days, for the next, uh, as, as he left his body, um, he, he became... Uh, He dropped the body but became an essence and he was still with his body for about three days after he died. Um, And so I continued to sing to him and use um, essential oils and so forth to stay in touch. And some of the people who had trained uh, as seers or had those kinds of abilities were able to continue to speak to him as an essence. And then he was able to show us where he was traveling and where he was going. So he stayed in touch for about forty-five days, and um, and uh, you know, at a certain point, they need they need to move on. They because they they go on with different relatives. They have different they have different you know depending on how you've lived your life. You know, you can die, people can die and and be stuck, and it can actually be incredibly difficult. Um, and so when someone's in a, an active dying process us you you want to make sure that they have friend, they have help on the other side and that and then they wind up in a position not not so dissimilar from here they'll be with the same group of people and it will look you know in some ways similar to the lives they they've lived at least that's what I've seen Hmm. so it's um
1: such a beautiful story my goodness
0: it was very powerful. It was very yeah. powerful, and I felt honored to be able to do that with him.
1: Yeah. What are um, wrapping this all up into a, a nice tidy bow? What is the core message we're really teaching here?
0: Um. I think. I think uh, today <laughs> the message that's coming forward. Usually, I say, uh, "Stay, stay uh, connected to your joyous, your wondrous inner child." um because that curiosity will always take you where you need to go. So that that's definitely there. You know, don't be you keep talking about fear and how fear limits us and that's so true. It's the main structure that keeps us from our spiritual development actually. We call it the 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 inner critic that you know this is oh no this is crazy or this is bad or this is wrong. Um you know, because if you like, let's say just what I was talking about with my father, if I had gone into that, oh, I can't possibly do this, I don't know what I believe, then you shut something down, but in any situation in our life, if we can stay open, and we can stay curious, then we will be shown, you know, we'll be shown how this unfolds, even things that are difficult, um, how, how does this unfold for me now, how can I show up hmm. in the most, in the most amazing way, right now, here, right now, and our planet needs all of us right now every single person if you can just meditate for 15 minutes each day and just allow this this shell that's no longer serving any of us to start to just just you know give it a little bit of time without it and see if you can get really in touch with your precious pearl the truth of who you are because every person's called to the table right now everyone we need all of you
1: well, I will leave you with this final question, Dr. Anne Cates Sullivan, how would you like to be remembered?
0: <laughs> well, I hope I'm someone who will leave some, some a few gemstones, a few stories, a few things that, it, that help people on their own hero and heroine's quest to find their own true nature. And so, uh, I know this story never ends, you know, this, this journey, this life, our many, many lives, they never end. We go on and on and on and on. And so, you know, we can help each other. We can help each other as we, as we voyage this on this plane and in the many, many, many other worlds. So let's all hold hands and awaken together.
1: I love it. I love it so much. So fascinating. I love every bit of you and every bit of this dialogue. Thank you for coming on and opening up and sharing all this with us.
0: Thank you for having me on the show.
1: Great. And thank you for everybody tuning in, spending your time. Uh, Whether you're hearing this on Apple, Google, or Spotify, hit the rate and review. Let me know your thoughts. I love reading what you think of the show. It makes the world go round even more. We're going to do this again before too long. Until we do, thanks again for tuning in and go get them.